Welcome to the Success Leaves Clues podcast with Robin Bailey and Al McDonald. Have you ever wondered what makes someone successful? What are they doing that's different? How do they achieve greatness? We believe that success leaves clues. In this series, we are interviewing very successful people from different walks of life to hear their stories. We'd like to remind our listeners that the views expressed in this podcast are those of our guests and not necessarily those shared by our hosts. Welcome back to the Success Leaves Clues podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Life and Legacy Advisory Group. We believe sound financial advice improves people's lives. We are also brought to you by Aria Benefits. We help business leaders attract and retain top talent. I'm your host, Robin Bailey, here with my co-host and business partner, Al McDonald. Al, lots of leaves down, a little bit of wind picking up. Are you out in your bike this weekend? What do you think? No, probably not. I'm afraid the cycling season might well be over once hockey season starts with my daughter playing and myself playing takes up uh, most of my weekend time. So I'm afraid cycling might be done, but maybe, maybe sneak in a a ride on a nice day sometime, but sad for biking season, but happy (laughs) for for hockey hockey, hockey season. I never hear you complain about hockey season. So I think uh, you're still going to have a great time. Well, speaking of a great time, we are going to have a great time with a fantastic guest that I've been looking forward to having on the show for a long time because we've had such great conversations over the years, and we thought we'd share that with you today. So joining us is Lauren Mina, Director of Finance and Operations at Blueprint. As I said, Lauren, we've known each other a long time. We've had some great conversations, and you know we're going to get into it, but I think you're one of those people that every time I meet with you, I come away from those meetings and I'm not blowing smoke here, but you're asking questions that if I was working for another firm, I would want someone asking on my behalf, hey, how can we do this? How can we improve this sort of thing? What else is out there that we should be looking at? So I'm really looking forward to digging into it if you're up to it. Thanks for having me. I enjoyed talking to both of you a lot. Well, yeah, me me more. Mostly you, Robin. (laughs) <laughs> no, I know, Al. Uh, we had that yesterday. We were having our chemistry call with someone that's going to be on the call. And usually I just bombard the person and I, and I talk away. And Al took over yesterday. And we got a cute little message this morning from, from her saying, yeah, I really look forward to chatting with Al more. So, <laughs> so like, okay, okay. We see how it is. Al's coming up in the world. That's for sure. Well, why don't we dig right into it? You know, in your role, maybe explain what you do a little bit first, but in your role, we've all just gone through a time where there's no playbook for it. We've all run through challenges. I'm curious to hear, you know, what's your biggest challenge you're facing in your role right now and how are you tackling it? Yeah, thanks. So I work for a nonprofit called Blueprint that's really engaged in the social policy making landscape, sort of the very ambitious goal of influencing evidence generation in social policy making and program development. So what I do is very internally focused. I'm the director of finance and operations. So what that means is really making sure all of our corporate functions run efficiently, smoothly, and doing all of the building work that's really, really important for a growing company. So when I joined them a couple of years ago, they were about a 30-person organization. And today we're about a 60. And and who knows where we'll be in a couple of years. So What I'm thinking about a lot right now and some of the challenges that we're facing is just how to do that growth right. 
how to make sure that the things that we're implementing for our staff are coming at absolutely the right time, that we're balancing really, really good structure and process without becoming overly corporate or a bottleneck for our staff. Just basically, how can we support them to do their best work and get out of the way of everything else? I talk to a lot of people these days and they're and they're looking for talent. And of course, you want to grow the right way, as you just said. And I look back at our own company and we've built a really good corporate culture where I think people feel very comfortable and they feel very safe and, and they can speak out. I mean, we had a meeting a couple of weeks ago where someone had said, I'm not really comfortable speaking out, but you've created an environment where I do feel okay, even though that's challenging for me. So as you're growing the firm, how do you make sure with every new hire that you're bringing on, how do you, because it makes me nervous, Lauren, about, hey, the next hire, I've got this perfect little culture right now. And if I bring in someone, it might upset the apple cart. And I'm always worried about that. So like, how do you deal with that as you're going from 30 employees at much larger scale than us to 60 employees? Yeah, I'm really glad you talked about like, how do we create safe spaces for everybody to be. And I think it's really, really important to embed the idea of inclusivity and diversity into your teams. And when I talk about diversity, I'm not just talking about background, race, religion, and those kinds of things, but diversity in personalities. So I guess the way that I would advise somebody like you, Robin, if you were asking me that question is, don't be afraid of people coming in who are different from you, who don't exactly fit in your culture. And I put that in air quotes. The idea of cultural fit, I think, really needs to kind of be thrown in the garbage. And, and instead, let's reframe that as what is a cultural ad? What is somebody bringing to the table that doesn't exist within our environment right now? And is there a place for them here, too? And that's what I think contributes to safe spaces. If we create an environment where everybody is quite free to be as themselves as possible, then there's a lot less fear about engaging, I think. That's good advice. And you're right. It's it's one of those things that sometimes you're afraid. And I've been in that situation before, not in the same context where Al has just said, hey, just go do it. And it has worked out exceptionally well. So I'm going to take your advice, Lauren, <laughs> and not worry about that so much as we grow the company and, and just find those right people. And, and again, just because something is, is different coming in, I'm sure that that person can add to the organization and not upset as, I, as I'm so nervous about. Yeah, we've been taking this idea of cultural fit and trying to do that reframe of what is the cultural ad here, whether you have introverts or extroverts or people with different values, like there's a lot that people can bring to the table, then it is all worthy. <laughs> I wanted to jump in. I love your message that you just talked about, but you know, you had said one of the challenges was going from 30 to 60 and the big challenge of trying to do it right and deliver the right things at the right time. We don't always get it right. Right. And I think part of the challenge is what happens when you fail and there's nothing wrong with failing. You expect to make mistakes, but can you talk about a big failure that you had and, and what you learned from it and how it got you to where you are now? Yeah, that's a great question. I think just a note on failure too is another thing that can create those safe spaces, making it okay to fail. We talk a lot about like, how do we make sure it's okay to make mistakes because they are definitely going to happen and they are sometimes the best learning experiences. I think my biggest career failure was I originally studied to be a social worker. And as soon as I got out of school, my very first job out of school, I was fired after about two months. Uh, looking back on it now, I can really understand the reasons why, but obviously it was quite devastating to me at the time and so much so that I really pivoted into an accounting role and started to grow my career in a completely different way. And I've only recently started coming back to some of that work and becoming a little bit more interested in it. But I think what I learned from that is that really it is okay to be honest about who you are and you need to 
take ego out of the equation as much as possible. When I was a brand new junior just going into the field, I was given a job where I was in charge of an entire floor of a residential facility for seniors. And looking back, I can see now how clear it is that I just didn't have great mentorship and great leadership. I really probably should have been shadowing somebody for a while as opposed to just taking on that responsibility myself. And I knew it from early on that I was a little bit in over my head and I was too afraid to speak up and say something about it. And so now I try to keep that in mind when I feel like something is a challenge for me or I'm really stretching. Those are great things to do. Those are great ways to learn. But I want to be really, really transparent with my leaders and with my team about, hey, here's where I'm coming from. This is the context I exist in. And please help me. It really uh, gave me encouragement to ask for help when I need it. So what I heard out of that, number one, you learned something from your failure. You moved on. Number two, it taught you to not be afraid to ask for help, which I think a lot of people are, right? They, they see it as a little bit of a weakness. Hey, I'll try and figure this out myself. I'm guilty of that quite often because it is. It is tough to ask for help sometimes and not let on to people that you don't know what you're doing. Absolutely. But, uh, we all want to be seen as like hyper competent and <laughs> really, really capable. But I think the most capable people are the ones who aren't afraid to say what they don't know and to ask for help and to really listen. And not afraid to fail. Failing does not make you a failure. Absolutely. I, I like I like to say I've said that many times. Well, we've chatted about that recently, Alan, and creating an environment where it's okay as the team expect those failures are going to happen. And as long as the team knows, hey, that's okay. That's a learning opportunity. And I think, Lauren, we look at ourselves because I've had conversations with you offline about learning and growing and continuously becoming, you know, that better person, whether it's in your personal life, in your career. I know I'm trying to do that. Al recently stunned me after years and he said, hey, I'm reading this book because Al had told me a long time ago, you know, and generally I don't enjoy reading because I get to bed and I fall asleep before I can get through a page. So he's made a Lucky point you. of saying, yeah, he's made he's made a point of starting it an hour earlier now. But, you know, I'm, I'm continually sending my business partners, you know, I, I'll read an article in a book. For me, you know, that whole lifelong learning is something that's really important because I feel here's what I'm going to get out of it. Here's the person that I'm going to become. So I'm curious about what are some of the things that you maybe want to change or improve about yourself in the next year or so? Oh, there's a lot. I'm a new manager. So I'm constantly Congrats. building my skills in that area. I really want to be able to support my team in a really inclusive and meaningful way. I want to be a good manager. I've had great and terrible ones, and I would prefer to be on the great end of that spectrum if I can. So I have a lot to learn in that area. But I think the biggest thing that I'm meditating on right now is about living in ambiguity and complexity. I've set the sort of very high level goal for myself over the next year of engaging more fearlessly with ambiguity and complexity. I think that's something we've all really had to confront over the last couple of years. And it's very true that it is scary and anxiety inducing and everybody would prefer to have really, really clear expectations and boundaries and an understanding of what they are to do, quote unquote, right. But that's just not life. I think what I've learned over this pandemic is that the world is complex, relationships are complex, and people are complex. And the more I can fearlessly engage with that complexity and sit in it and allow it to be as ambiguous as it needs to be, I think the better leader I am and the better person I am at the end of the day. So that's my goal. I heard you say you're meditating on it. And I'm curious if you could expand on what that means, because I just started a practice fairly recently and I found it to be life-changing, to be honest. So I'm just curious if you could expand on what does that mean when you're meditating on it? 
I think I just mean that it's sitting there in the back of my head through a lot of my interactions. I do sometimes meditate and think more intentionally about these things. But I think with this, it's more just what is the theme of this year going to be for me? What is the thing I want to keep coming back to when I start to feel anxiety, when I start to feel overwhelmed? What is my goal here? And I love the idea of that just sitting in complexity and allowing it to be and seeing what comes of it and not trying to control it or force it to be anything. It's a little bit Zen, I guess. No, I'm, I'm down. I'm down with Zen. I started for years, I used to think and I mean, this is going to sound so terrible. But you know, when I thought of journaling, I thought of, you know, my niece when she was five years old, and she got the little book with the little heart lock and then you know, she could have her diary. And I thought, well, that's for children. And recently, I started journaling. And I have questions that I ask myself every morning, they're written down. So I can, I never forget them. And I go through every day. And every day, some of the answers are different. But you know, a lot of the times it's the same, but you know, when you were talking about this person or the things that you wanted to change about yourself, it made me think of the one question. And I've had over the last two days, I've had two different answers, but the question was, what virtue do I want to show or implement into my life? And I found that to be, there's, there's things that I will admit I'm not good at, and I want to be better at those things. And I look at the structure of our company. I see things that Al is really good at and I don't necessarily need to do that in our company because Al is handling that. He's very good at that, but there are virtues and skill sets that I'd like to develop. So I found that even just by writing them down, it kind of forces you to face those and goes, okay, that's, that's something I'm not great at today, but there's a way, you know, that I can improve upon it. And if, and if I can't do it myself, there's probably people out there that I can lean on saying, Hey, how, how do you do this? And I also love that you had just have that theme for the year about this is the theme of where I want to get to. So I really like that. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of goals. I'm a, a bit of a perfectionist. And I find that goals are really end up being a bit more of a burden to me because it just feels like another to do on top of all the busy to do's that we have in life. But I really love the idea of themes and just sort of keeping those at the forefront in whatever work we're doing and making connections between my day to day interactions and my work with those themes is what's been most helpful for me, I think. Lauren, I want to circle back a little bit to something you said previously. You talked about asking for help. You talked about trying to be a better manager and, and reaching out to, if you're struggling, kind of reaching out and asking for help and that type of thing. So can you talk about, is there someone in your life, in your past career that you've had that served as a mentor? And what did that mean to you? And what advice did they give you that's really helped you in your work? It's a great question too. I've had a lot of great managers and mentors over the years. My father is a pretty big one of them. He's an accountant as well. And he really helped me out in my early career. But I think the number one person that comes to mind is an old manager I had when I was working at the Toronto Lawn Tennis Club named Doug Knights. Hey, Doug, if you listen to this. Uh, <laughs> but he really embodied what I think a great manager is. And I don't know if it was him who came up with this term or it's just something that I used to label him, but it was really about management philosophy with him. And I think that great managers have three qualities in equal measure. That is, they are strong, calm, and kind. I think we've all had managers who are missing one of those three essential qualities. And I do not believe you can be a great manager without a reasonable balance of all three of those things. Think about somebody who is strong and calm, but not kind. That's where you get the robotic boss who maybe can't connect with people emotionally. Somebody who is kind and calm, but not strong, gets run over and doesn't have the ability to get things done. So I don't always get there, but something I'm always aiming to do is to bring a really good balance of those three qualities to anybody that I manage in any project that I work on. So if we've had managers in our past, 
that went 0 for 3 <laughs> probably shouldn't be a manager. That's really not a good sign, is it? <laughs> <laughs> I think I think we've probably all had a, had a few of those. And you did a shout out, so I'll do a shout out too. I have a fellow when I first started, Dwayne Snow, that just made my life so much easier and set me down a career path. So if we're doing shout outs, that's mine today. Lauren, I want to take a bit of a different tact, and it's a question that we haven't asked anyone, and I think it's a great question. What's a common myth about your job or your industry? I think it's just that, just that accounting people are good at math. <laughs> I get that a lot. You can hope. You can hope, right? When I tell somebody I'm working in finance, you know, and I was an extremely average math student, and my spouse is a programmer, and he is so much better a mathematician than I am. So I would say that for sure. Most of what I do is just calculator math, and that's okay. See, this is why we have Al doing what he does within the organization, because if it comes to numbers, Joe, my business partner, myself, we can develop business all day. But when it comes to, you know, important things and, and looking at numbers, yeah, we're going to we're going to throw that to Al. Yeah, I love numbers and I love pulling stories out of numbers. It's just like the hard math things are not necessarily like the job of a, an accounting person. Yeah, Accounting people are process nerds. They're very detail oriented and I definitely have all of that, but it is more about existing within a system and, and holding up the barriers of that system that I really like. Al probably has something because I saw his hand go up. So a society grows great when old persons plant trees in whose shade they will never sit. Can you talk about any of those trees that you're planting? I think some of the biggest things I'm thinking about as my organization grows and I grow with it is how are we implementing the right infrastructure now so that our growth can be as flexible as possible in the future. I'm lucky enough to work for an organization that is really at the cusp of deciding where they want to be in the market. And there's a lot of opportunity out there that's available to us. And we don't have like really, really clear goals of where we're going just yet. I've seen my job as being what kind of process, what kind of infrastructure, what kind of supports do our staff need at this point so that it allow us to be flexible to whatever the changing goals are in the future. So I think it's something around nailing that balance of structure and flexibility that I think is what I'm aiming to do with a lot of my work these days. And I hope that that will bear fruit in the future. The other thing that I really want to speak to is diversity, equity, and inclusion. I'm the executive sponsor for our DEI committee, and I've been really, really involved with the DEI committee at Blueprint, and I've learned so much from my colleagues and from our leaders about how to do DEI well in a company, make sure it's not just a checkbox exercise, but something that we are really embedding diversity and inclusivity into our work and our culture so continually advocating for inclusive ways of working and inclusive strategies for supporting the staff. And that translates through to how we do our hiring, to how we do our work, to how we design our benefits package and our, and our compensation philosophy. So if I think there's one legacy I want to have at Blueprint, it is keeping that at the forefront of all of the building work we're doing. Great answer. Great answer. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Well, I think that's probably a great place to wrap it up because I love your idea about leaving a legacy. So that's really good. Well, thank you for joining us today and sharing you know, your story and your journey. I loved our conversations offline, so I'm, I'm glad you agreed to do this. What's the best way for people to reach out to you if they have questions about yourself or what you're doing at Blueprint? Oh, probably LinkedIn is the best way. I don't use it a whole ton, but um, yeah, definitely that would be the best way to reach me. All right. Sounds good. Well, that does it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. 
I really did. If you have any questions for Al or myself, please feel free to give us a call or by joining the conversation on LinkedIn. Success leaves clues, my friends. Thank you.